When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Okay, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, Blue Jays get four in the bottom of the seventh. They're now up 5-2 on the Rays, trying to split the doubleheader. Tampa Bay won 4-2 earlier today. The Elks will be in Regina on Friday to play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You can get it right here on 6.30 Ched. 6 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff and the game will start at 7.30. Quarterback Trey Ford will dress for that game. Taylor Cornelius will continue to be the starter. Oilers are really getting going today. Uh, well, this week, I guess, we got the uh, rookies with the medicals and the physicals tomorrow and the Young Stars Tournament in Penticton over the weekend. They will play the uh, Jets Friday, Flames Saturday, and the Canucks on Monday. And then main training camp starts middle of uh, next week. So we are rolling, rolling, rolling with a lot of fun sports. I, I, uh, I know for me over the years, speaking of fun, one of the uh, sites that sometimes is just fun to go uh, look at and you can you get a lot of stats and find out a lot about uh, players is baseballreference.com. It's actually baseball-reference.com. I'm going to assume that if many of you are sports fans, you've probably stumbled across this site or spent a lot of time on it. And I learned something today about uh, my next guest, uh, Mike Johnson, who's going to uh, check in now. Mike, always good to have you on the show. I, I don't know if you knew this. This is how detailed baseball references. They got the date you made your debut in the major leagues, and they also identified you as the 17,000th and 33rd player to make his debut. <laughs> Somebody's counting. <laughs> that I was unaware of. It, it, it is fun to to, uh, to to see your page, though, because it lists Salisbury Comp as your high school, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, lists uh, your draft by the Blues. I don't know if I've ever asked you this before. And if I have, I've forgotten, and it's probably worth the story again. What is your draft story of be, being selected into Major League Baseball? Like, where were you? How did you find out? What, what happened? Uh, well, way back in the day, it, uh, it was obviously done a little bit different. Now it's a little bit more of a, of a spectacle where they have the top prospects come in, like to MLB Network, and and bring them up um, on on the stage when they're announced, similar to probably like NHL and NFL. But uh, back then, no, everything was done uh, digitally. We, I think, I don't even know we had internet back then actually. But uh, uh, I was at school actually when uh, it happened. I got drafted on the first day. And back then, there was unlimited rounds, so teams just kept picking until it, nobody wanted to pick any players anymore. So, like, guys were getting drafted in the 60th and 70th round. I was chosen in the 17th round, and, yeah, I was at school. And I found out when I got home after school, actually. I was home, home by myself, and I got a call from my scout from the Toronto Blue Jays uh, saying that they had picked me. 
and yeah, they began in contact with me. So obviously, I was pretty excited, but I had nobody around to to tell or like celebrate with. So uh, I had to wait for my parents to get home, let them let them know, and yeah, obviously, exciting day, but definitely a little bit different from uh, from today. Yeah, well, for sure, uh, like you said, nobody could uh, text you or, or, or anything like that. So, so you're, you're like, oh, I, I, have a, I, I got drafted into the major leagues. I'm by myself in my house doing homework or playing Nintendo or something, probably. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, or back then, who knows, maybe Atari or something. <laughs> you're, you're make, I think you're making yourself out to be even older than you need to, Mike. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, th- and then the debut... I I just found the box where I, you replaced a pretty good pitcher, Mike Bucina, who'd had a bit of a, a a bit of a rough day, and you came on. You did okay. You pitched the final four innings of a, of a game that wasn't going your team's way. Yep, not bad. But uh, yeah, first hitter was definitely memorable. Facing Mickey Tettleton and and got ahead of him, and I think he even the count up two two and tried to go inside with a fastball. We're playing in Arlington, and anybody that was Mickey Tettleton, it's it's kind of like all or nothing. And I left a fastball out over the middle, and he hit it in the second deck. So yeah, by that time I kind of looked at myself, going like, "Holy cow! It's better better get things under control, or it could be a short day for me too." But uh, but no, it uh, ended up being a, a decent outing, and yeah, my first my first outing in the big leagues gave up a yeah. solo bomb to Mickey Tellington to start my career. Well, you, you did settle down uh, after that. So there, there you go. Mike Johnson joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports, former Major League pitcher, spent a lot of time with the Montreal Expos and now uh, runs the five-tool fieldhouse here in Edmonton and is a frequent guest on this show when uh, we want to talk about baseball, which we do tonight. Okay, and you and I have discussed, I, I want to say some of these topics in the past, Mike. I don't know if we dove deep into all of them. Probably some we've even discussed uh, off air if if we get a chance to chat. But a few days ago, baseball, Major League Baseball went ahead with some, uh, I think, pretty significant initiatives. I'll start with the pitch clock. You know the story from a lot of people, and you know I gripe about it. The games take too long. I don't want a three-and-a-half-hour, nine-inning game. Uh, so 30 seconds between batters. 15 seconds between pitches if the bases are empty, 20 seconds if runners are on. I, I mean, you pitched. You know what it's like to be on that mound. What do you think of this? Is is it, is it going to have the desired effect, and, and will you, do you think they're going to stick with strictly enforcing it? Well, I know that they've had success in the minor leagues doing this. I think the stat was something that like games were reduced to average average playing time as far as a game reduced like 20 or 29 minutes um i don't know it's i think it's always going to be people for and people against obviously for myself a little bit more of a traditionalist and i i honestly kind of look at this and say like why would they implement something like they want games to be over faster for the players i don't think they really care that much and for the owners, the thing that really kind of sticks out in my mind and might be a different way of looking at it is why do you want people out of your ballpark sooner? Why do you want to speed games up? Because to me as an owner, that probably affects my revenue as far as concession sales and merchandise sales and stuff like that. So for me, I'd want to keep them in there as long as possible. Now I get it, people watching the game, whether it's on TV or, or live, can 
get bored with the game because it does take long. But, I mean, unless you're watching, like, a Yankees-Red Sox rivalry game or something like that, it's where there's pitching changes going on, which they've already made a rule change where relievers have to come in and face a minimum of three hitters. So they can't come in and face one guy and then for three consecutive batters they're facing a new pitcher. And I really feel that that was kind of one of the reasons why games were extended and and long, just because of the amount of pitchers that were coming in, allowing them time to warm up in between, and it, it lengthens the game. But they've made some changes as far as that. I just think it's going to be a really, really difficult <clears throat> thing to – I'm just curious. Well, I guess I'm more curious as to how they're going to enforce it. Like, is the home plate umpire, one of the base umpires, going to be standing there with a stopwatch to enforce it, or is there going to be a clock going and an alarm goes off? That's the one thing I'm a little bit unsure. Maybe you know as far as actually how they're going to enforce it as far as the clock. But I was watching the Sunday night game on TV, and Carl Ravitch had, had a game clock going on. And it's going to be a tough adjustment for, for some pitchers who, who take take their time in between pitches. And, like, there was pitchers where they had runner on 20 seconds, and it was, like, 35, 40 seconds in between games – or in between right. pitches, sorry. So I never really had to worry about it. I was always kind of like a fast worker and stuff. But I know for other guys it's, it's, it's going to be a, a difficult adjustment for sure. Yeah, okay. Um the the shift is basically being banned. So just to recap the rules, if people missed it, and I talked about it a few days ago, um, you have to have two fielders on each side of second base. You have to have four fielders within the boundary of the infield. So it has to be a traditional alignment. You can't have your third baseman go stand in shallow right field. You can't put all four infielders on one side of the bag if a guy's a, a pole hitter. This is an interesting one to me, Mike, because uh, like I, I've kind of always thought, if I'm a if I'm a hitter, and I've, as you know, I'm far from a big league hitter, but if I try to pretend I'm one, and they're shifting on me, I'm in the batting cage the next day, thinking, "Great, I'm going to hit it the other way, and I'm going to get a free double," because uh, no one's over there. But you know, there's the feeling, well, they've taken it too far, and all these specific alignments. Y- y- you can't do the shift now. I, I really want to know what you think. Um, again, to me, like more of a traditional. So I watch baseball like every day. And there's balls that are hit into the shift. For me, it's mostly like balls hit up the middle where you have your second baseman or shortstop right behind second base and and what looks like a legitimate base hit. Guys are fielding and they're out. Um, as far as hitting into the shift, I see just as many balls hit into the shift as hit against the shift. I think it's going to benefit hitters for sure because the more defenders you have on one side of the field, if I'm a pull guy, and especially the way the game is right now as far as it's a power game, averages are way down, strikeouts are way up, but power numbers are, power numbers are going up. Everybody's trying to hit home runs one through nine through the lineup. That I think it's going to create a little bit more excitement in the game. We'll get more base runners. Um but I think teams still are going to figure out a way to to kind of cheat it. Like two guys have to be on their side of second base, but there's nothing saying that I can't have a guy right on the inside of second base on the other side of the field, and as the ball is being hit, I'm already in a better position too. Or if they're running a shift, I think they were talking about it actually during that Sunday night game where they move the outfielders over – if it's a dead pull left-handed hitter like an Anthony Rizzo, 
where they move guys over and they move the left fielder like way in, almost kind of like at a deep shortstop, even though he's still on the grass, so he's considered an outfielder. I think we're going to see some some teams try and mess with that a little bit within the rules, so it'll be interesting to see. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it, I mean, the shift has become – I mean, it, it used to be like – I feel like a few years ago there'd be a shift. Like, oh, they're doing the shift, and now it's like – almost every batter, right? They're doing something special for us. So I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Uh... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. The bases are going to be bigger as a former pitcher. Do you care? <laughs> That'll be my question for that one, Mike. Do you even care? <laughs> no, that one to me seems weird. Like, I guess I don't really understand the purpose behind it. Is it a bigger base because guys are getting injured around the base? I, I think that's I their I, thinking. A little more room at first, and, and yeah, a little bigger. Like It'll be harder for a guy stealing to overslide the base and then get tagged out, I think, things like that. Yeah, I don't know. That one, to me, is a little kind of confusing because if you're increasing the size of the base, I think it's uh, 15 inches to, to 18 inches. Is that going to increase stolen bases because you're getting there just a little bit sooner? Or you can take a little bit of a lead off because the bag is a little bit closer to you based on the size of it. So I'm, I guess I'm interested to see, like, does that increase the amount of stolen bases? Uh, the stolen base art, obviously, as we know, has kind of really been depleted since the power um, launch angle and all that stuff has been implemented in the game. Guys trying to hit home runs, again, like one through nine to the lineup. And that's how we're scoring our runs. I'm interested to see again if those stolen bases are kind of uh, going to increase a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, Mike, it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, I love talking baseball with you because, as you proven in this conversation, you you see things from angles that uh, that I couldn't even think of because you played the game at at the highest level. How are things going at the Five Tool Fieldhouse, and how can people check you guys out? <clears throat> It's actually funny you brought that up because I've actually closed five tool just based on how things have gone over the last couple of years. It's been tough, but uh, got an opportunity. I'm actually working out in Spruce Grove at the Parkland Baseball Academy now as the director out there. But uh, yeah, still have opportunities for for clients that were part of five tool to come out and still get some work as far as baseball and um yeah, it's unfortunate. It was it was it was fun and got to meet a lot of really good people through there. But at the same time, like I said, difficult as as a lot of people probably listening can can attest to over the last couple of years with COVID and all the restrictions and closures and stuff like that. But I was lucky enough to have this opportunity to um, join the Parkland Academy with a bunch of really good coaches good organization and to be around a lot of good baseball players and ultimately stay within the game of baseball so yeah this is just kind of another chapter another chapter in the baseball life i guess 
Yeah, well, I know you did a great job. I, I actually, I, obviously, since I asked, I actually didn't know it it, uh, it had shut down, but I know you did a lot of great work there, and uh, I, I know you're always going to be working with the next generation of uh, players because you love doing that. And didn't, uh, was it your son was on, like, an undefeated team this season or something like that? Yeah, holy cow. You're, you're, you're up on your local sports here, yeah. We played, my son played out in Parkland on the 13U team, and, yeah, through provincial uh baseball alberta provincial play and western canadian play they went undefeated and they won provincial gold and also won gold at western so yeah it was it was definitely a fun year and um i think one of the only teams that i've ever been aware of and unless somebody else knows something that actually went undefeated throughout the entire year through either a national championship and provincial play oh geez was that's that's a lot of like in baseball. You're right. That's pretty much unheard of. I mean, it might yeah. happen in football or, or maybe minor hockey or something like that. But for baseball, to never lose. That's good for them. Okay, perfect. You were coaching. Yep. Yeah, I was part of the coaching staff, and uh, yeah, first year out in Parkland, and my son chose to play out in Parkland, and yeah, no, he was a big part of that team, and and had a really good year, and. But most of all, developed a lot of really good friendships with, with kids on the team and and uh, just really enjoyed his time, and so did all the other kids. Okay, awesome. Mike, thanks for checking in. Uh, as always, love talking to you. We'll have to talk uh, once we get into the baseball postseason and into the World Series, and, and I know um, maybe I'll see you at an Oilers game because I know you try to get out to one or two, <laughs> and yep, you're probably pretty sure. optimistic about them this year as well. So uh, hopefully we'll run into you soon. Yep, sounds good. Always a pleasure, Reed. That is Mike Johnson checking in tonight. Uh, former big leg pitcher, as he told you now, with the uh, Parkland Baseball Academy after running the five-tool fieldhouse for a few years. So I love having Mike on the show. Good thoughts there on the pitch clock, the bigger bases. And uh, you can't do the shift anymore in Major League well, starting next year in uh, Major League Baseball. Good to hear from him. Uh, happy to hear from you as well. 780-496-0063. Back for some final thoughts inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Okay, Oilers players continuing with their informal skates at Rogers Place, getting ready for training camp. The nude says reaching the West Final was great, but there's more to give here. I mean, it's uh, it's tough. I mean, just because you make it to uh, four teams left doesn't mean that uh, uh, anything's going to be. Obviously, it's just going to keep getting harder and harder. And um, it was a step forward. Um, but I mean, really, you look at the league; only one team's happy at the end of the season. So uh, we weren't that team, and uh, we know we have uh, more to uh, uh, more steps to take here and uh, keep getting better and better. But uh, it was a step in the right direction. It's good to should. Be, give us some confidence knowing that uh, we have a good enough team to, to be able to make some damage and uh, uh, keep pushing uh, deeper and deeper but uh, like I said I mean only, only one team leaves happy every year and uh, if you're not that team there's always work to do all right a little bit there from the Nuge uh, I gotta thank uh, Tim Shipton from uh, the corporate communications department at OEG and uh, the media relations guys uh, with the hockey side of the operations Jamie Cartmel and Sean May and uh, everybody at the Edmonton Country Club we had our uh, media golf day today uh, I was not on the winning team though we, though we did okay in large part thanks to uh, director of amateur scouting 
uh, Tyler Wright and uh, Bill Scott was uh, there as well. They hit the ball a long, long way. I do not. Sometimes I would need two shots to get to their one, but thankfully it was a scramble. So, so it uh, it turned out okay. Pretty uh, pretty fun day. I believe uh, Dustin Schwartz, goalie coach, was a big part of the uh, team winning because Kellen he was in the the, the foursome behind us. Yeah, and let's say it's like a three hundred yard three hundred eighty yard par four. We'd be putting, and then we'd see a ball land about fifty yards short of the green. and he was he was hitting it straight so that helped uh his team for sure we uh, asked you the off topic topic best television show or series of the last decade let's uh wrap up with a couple there kellen yeah let's clean out the inbox cowtown bob tonight says big bang fury was excellent so big bang uh, fury gets his vote i only i've only watched a few i think my mom and dad got into it though pretty popular show sheldon right that's where yes. sheldon came yeah. out of one of the protagonists in that show yes sheldon and penny so there we go uh vikings gets robin capilano's vote he loves okay. vikings good old-fashioned guts and blood <laughs> all right and i i have a whole bunch of vikings on my pvr because eric johnson who we've had on the show a few yes, times yeah. uh the the originally from edmonton now lives in toronto the uh, he's an actor he was on vikings i think for the last season and a half or show or so uh, playing uh, Eric the Red. So if, the, if so, Robin Capilano, if that rings the bell, that's a, that's an Edmontonian. Eric Johnson playing, I think he played Eric the Red on the show. He shot a bunch of episodes in Ireland. And he, when he would get up and go to work in the morning, he would listen to the end of Oilers games and overtime open line because of the time change. Pretty right. Cool. Yeah, there we go. Okay. That is Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Bob Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. We'll have another edition of this program from 6 to 8. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening.